Okay, we are now recording. Welcome to the Creative Writing Magic. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the Creative Writing Magic Podcast. Today's guest is Alan Small. He's a biology teacher and children's book author living in Fort Worth, Texas. And today we'll be discussing his latest writing project, Jesse Marie's Noisy Museum. Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Randy. I'm really excited to be here. And Alan, how's the weather today out in Fort Worth, Texas? Actually, today it is really, really rainy and stormy. So I'm hoping that all the power stays smooth for us as we, as we visit. I think it will, but we all were woken up uh, between four and five with some monstrous thunder and lightning, which, was, which is always fun. I've learned not to complain about rain here in Texas. We'll take all that we can get. Oh, wow. Yeah, morning thunderstorms. That's interesting. Yeah, we, we've been getting, getting good rain so far, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. We had a, a, large, a large drought a couple of years ago that really lasted on and on, and so I, I decided that anytime we get rain, I'm not, going to, uh, I'm not going to act irritated about it. I'll be pleased to have every drop that falls. Sure, and the fact that there is the lightning storm, um, it kind of dovetails into our conversation that we're going to be having here today. Good, good. Don't you like when nature helps you out like that? Exactly. They're, we're all on the same page here. So, Alan, before we get started, I just want to say thank you for being on the show today. You are very welcome. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. When, when, I, when I saw that, that opportunity to, to, to join and visit with you, I, was, I got really pumped because I always like to, to visit and connect with people who are help, helping to be the connectors between uh, groups, especially writing groups. And I'm just so thankful for the work that, that uh, you're doing in this space. Absolutely. Thank you. So you're a biology teacher and a science club organizer for STEM activities. How did you get started being interested in science? Um, I've been incredibly blessed, incredibly fortunate, and um, I, can, I can blame my parents. Um, when I was three, um, our local science and history museum, which has had kind of a, uh, been a motivating factor in my life, I'd say, um, the Fort Worth Museum of Science and History had uh, a museum school program, um, and my parents signed me up at three, and then they kept bringing me back, uh, and it was such a popular program. It's the sort that parents have to spend the night in the lawn chairs in the parking lot the night before, um, but they did that all the way from three years old up until sixth grade when, you, uh, when you're too old for that program. Um, and in the sixth grade, my, my mother lied, and she said that I failed sixth grade and I needed to be signed up for one more year. Um, I didn't fail sixth grade, but I was happy for, the, I was happy for that little bit of um, disingenuity because um, as soon as that second sixth grade year was over, they invited me to come take a job as a classroom assistant. Um, and so at, at 14, I stepped into the classroom and uh, worked my way through all sorts of fun classes. I got to be, uh, see some uh, wonderful lessons modeled by some absolutely phenomenal educators over the years. Um, and uh, I worked at the museum for, for uh, many years. There was a, a, a brief moment where I had worked there more than half my life. So uh, I'm always thankful for those times, but having spent so much time watching cool science happen with cool, you know, cool instructors, I, I can't help but be attracted to it now. Yeah, that sounds like a nice story. 
um, half your life uh, at the uh, involved with science. It sounds like now it's even become a hundred percent of your life. It it really has. Um, I've I've gotten to uh, take take that into the the regular classroom. Uh, I've taught it at. Uh, mostly elementary, but I've also taught middle and high school, and, and I love each one of those areas of science. Uh, but my, my current role um, is a, a stream coordinator, which uh, means different things to different people, but it's a, a STEM coordinator that works along libraries in our, in our school district. And we do, of course, regular STEM content in all four of those areas, but we also integrate uh, coding as one of our uh, core uh, curriculum areas. Um, and that's it's my job to help get that done. So I really have enjoyed working through the libraries and in that space, and and uh, it's gotten uh, given me a chance to 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 play around with books as much as I play play around with science. And and I'm so thankful to be able to to live this life. Absolutely. And for our listeners who may not be aware, what is STEM exactly? So STEM is one of those funny terms that means different things to different people. Generally, it's uh, an, an acronym for science, technology, engineering, and math. So a lot of times when people hear that, they'll go straight to robots or, or robotics. But really, it's, uh, the word is recognizing that all four of those areas are, are different sides of the same thing. Um, to be successful in science, you've got to have... Um, the ability to think through uh, mathematically, even if not numerically, um, you've got to be able to at least construct ideas as a as an engineer, and it's it's super helpful uh, to think of it as a scientist. So if you if a person starts to mesh those four ideas um, into one discipline of inquiry and and uh, perseverance, um, they can use STEM as a good acronym to to keep them moving. Um, as as the years pass different content areas kind of join in tag team in there's STEM. Uh, you might hear steam, which is the four, first four with art added in. Um, and then my acronym, which my science buddies giggle at is stream. Um, and that R would be reading because I work in the library space. So my, my science buddies, they giggle at stream and my library buddies are all uh, very uh, uh, excited about it because that's, the libraries and the readers embracing STEM and STEAM. So uh, it's a, it's a cool amalgamation of different content areas that get, gets kids out exploring the world in my mind. Yeah, that's a really good cause. Um, in fact, um, I was actually an engineering major at Penn state um, growing up. So I have been familiar with the the STEM initiative for a long time. And I think it's really great to get, students involved in, in those areas. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, and it's a lot of fun too. My part of my role is helping teachers and educators, librarians find those areas where what they already like to do or what they're already interested in will mesh easily and with interesting ways uh, with STEM. And so, you know, if you hear somebody say, Oh, I don't like, I don't like science or I don't like math. What they're really saying is I haven't figured out a useful way to chase what I'm interested in using science or math. And I, I understand that. Hmm. You know, I've been churning through uh, the episodes with the cool people you've had on. Uh, one that I just had to jot down uh, is, is when Meg Bronson, uh, she mentioned um, that it drives her nuts 
whenever somebody says that they're that they're bad at art, <laughs> because in her words, you really can't. You know, if you're creating something, that's your that's your art. That's showing what you've got. And I feel the exact same way about science. It drives me nuts when somebody says I'm no good at science. <laughs> if I hear a kid say that, it means they have not done science. They may have read about it. They may have had some teacher preach about it too much, but they have not put their hands in the mud or they've not looked for fossils or they've not built the roller coaster. And so I'm trying desperately to get those materials into the kids hands so that they understand they don't hate science. They hate being bored while people talk about science. <laughs> good way to look at it. Yeah, that's a, uh, it's a good point from Meg as well. So, and also I really wanted to say that uh, I like how you're kind of mixing the, the, the steam and the stream and bringing art and reading and writing into the mix. Um, because even though they kind of live on two sides of the equation, both I believe are necessary um, in the education of uh, kind of the standard education model. Yes. There's, there's too many walls uh, in education. Um, you know, my science teachers and my art teachers, they think that they're in opposition to each other, but you can't find somebody who's successful in one without them having some success in the other. If you think of any, any cool artist who really created something wonderful, uh, you know, if they're creating a, a, uh, a marble sculpture, well, they've got to have at least a moderate amount of geology to understand the rock they're working with, uh, or somebody's going to be using cool paints or inventing cool colors. You can't avoid chemistry, and it's the same with science. If you're going to have, you know, true, uh, interesting, engaging science content, you're kind of an artist about using your your resources and being creative with the way you let kids use them. So those two disciplines are not in opposition, uh, and I love every time I see somebody kind of break down the walls and dive in together uh, on those two subjects. Absolutely. That's uh, it's a powerful statement, and I'm hoping that, uh, things can kind of go in that direction. For sure. Okay, so how did you come up with the idea for Jesse Marie's Noisy Museum? This this book is, is one of several that I have been coaxing and brushing into place, um, and it has been the first, um, first of my picture books to the finish line, um, and it actually has its roots uh, from long ago. Um, my wife and I met working at the science and history museum. And I'll give you, I'll give you half a guess what my wife's name is. Um, Jessie Marie is my wife's name. And this is, this, I decided to use her as this character because years ago when I ori- originally wrote this, um, it was not supposed to be for the whole world. It was supposed to be uh, for my wife. And uh, the, the genesis of this story, you know, with, with us both having worked in that informal science space was uh, that I had gone out on a, on a trip alone uh, and gone out deer hunting, which I think it's only hunting. If, if there's any success, I think I was more deer sitting um, in the woods. But uh, as I sat out there, I I saw a beaver swimming by uh, and doing its beavery thing. And then something startled it and it made a huge noise um, when it slapped its tail in the water. And I was just really, uh, struck by how cool it was. And then I also was, you know, really wishing that she was there. But then I realized that her busy week was keeping her from it. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in the woods thinking through all these things. Um, 
And this story just started like pouring into my brain. It was definitely a pantser moment that I was unprepared for. Um, so I, I was able to sit out there for uh, an hour or two and then I had to just jump up and run, run back to the truck and like take all my notes. Um, and so I honed it into, honed it into place at that time long ago and assembled, uh, just small, uh, one-off books just as gifts. Uh, but over time people have, have looked at it and loved it and, and uh, you know, been, been engaged with that story. Um, and so as I've been growing these other projects, it's kind of risen back to the surface and uh, with encouragement from uh, folks that, that are around me, it's been, it's made sense to take that story, modify it and polish it and adjust it to, to actually join the, join the market. And so that's, that's how it, how it came to be. That's really great. And uh, I'm sure your wife's pretty proud of the fact that her name's right there in the title. Yes, she, she, uh, she, she likes it quite a bit. I have, I have gotten criticism from our friends. Uh, you know, of course this story is based off of her experience, but, but when, when I'm making a children's book that all children will like if they don't know my wife, you know, so not everything is exactly to uh, person to person that I did have one of my, one of our friends send me a message the other day. I said, I said, Jesse is not, she's not that fat. <laughs> so, <laughs> The, the character in the story is, is, uh, is uh, not modeled directly after my wife. I think, I think they're both great looking, but, but they are not a match directly for each other. That sounds fair. So, Alan, growing up, were you always into creative writing or did it develop later on? I did have some roots early on. Um, I have polished it as an adult, but I do reach back um, to uh, – uh, an instance in in early childhood, well, early probably third grade ish, second or third grade, and one of our uh, tasks as a as a, a student was you know copy our spelling words so many different times, probably two or three different times. Um, and my mother, um, who she she loves to write creatively uh, quite a bit, um, she she couldn't figure out what the assignment was at that moment, and so she told me just to make sure our bases were covered, we're going to. Uh, I'm, she was going to have me write my spelling words um, some very unreasonable amount of time, probably like four times instead of three times or something. And in my, uh, in my indignation, I, I penned a, a very persuasive and very uh, motivating letter to her about all the evils and ills of uh, uh, trying to make somebody overdo their spelling homework. Uh, and she's always giggled at that, that letter because it was full of evidence of why I should be practicing my spelling. <laughs> um, and that's kind of a genesis of, you know, me as a writer, I've always enjoyed reading, always enjoyed books. Um, but kind of at that moment, it, uh, I felt, I felt spurred to use writing as a tool or a, lev a lever. Um, I, I was also lucky enough that my parents early on gave me a, a journal or a diary to kind of keep track of, of things. Um, uh, and I wasn't always consistent, but the things that I have written into it, uh, have always, uh, struck me as kind of powerful as kind of reaching back through time uh, to, to different times and places. And so uh, I have had good support uh, in, in writing uh, and it's just been a lot of fun to, to work with uh, as an adult. Excellent. And as a kid, did you have any authors or stories that you admired? I, I did have a few. Um, I, when I was uh, younger, 
I absolutely lived and died by uh, the Hardy Boys. Hmm. And Frank and Joe Hardy, uh, I could just churn through those. Absolutely loved them. Um, and I, we had a, I would go sit summers at my mother's office and, and right next door, there was a used bookstore and she would go take me down there and we'd buy, uh, buy stacks of Hardy Boys and I'd burn through them. Uh, but she could, she could afford it because of the, you know, used book prices, you can get a stack of them. Um, and then alongside of those, I don't know, I don't know how or why I had I developed the addiction, but I became just committed to Reader's Digest. Uh, and it was, uh, I don't, I haven't picked up a Reader's Digest in a long time, but the, uh, the Reader's Digest of the 80s were, were wonderful because they were just full of all sorts of cool stories, some long, some short. I thought it was really funny and there were sections I'd be drawn to. But I think those two, Reader's Digest and Hardy Boys, uh, have made some, made some real impact on my, on my uh, love of reading. Excellent. Yeah, I actually was into the Hardy Boys as well. Were you really, boy, Joe and Frank, they could get into some shenanigans. I, I've always admired the author who could, who could work through those stories and put them together. And then as he, I, who, was the, who was the author? I, it skips my brain. Um, it's a, it's two initials and then a, 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 a name. Um, but I believe he eventually put together a team working on stories that he could put out. Uh, I just always had such admiration for somebody who could get that number of stories for guys like me uh, out into the world. Absolutely. Yeah. I also forget the, uh, the name of the author there. So Alan, tell me about your writing routine. Do you like to uh, write in coffee shops or quiet living room? How do you like to write? Um, I need a quiet space. I have tried coffee shops. And if I am going to set up in a coffee shop, I'll probably hook up headphones and get on a a YouTube hour long loop of white noise just to block it all out. Uh, But my favorite way to do it is I get up. uh, I don't manage it every morning, but on a perfect day, I get up at four. Uh, four in the morning and I can sit in the quiet. I can wake up slow with my cup of coffee and then I can start writing creatively. Um, there's sometimes where I'm actively going towards a goal on a writing project. And then there's sometimes where I'm just riding the waves and, and you know, riding what's coming to me. And both have had some pretty good results uh, as we, you know, as I've, as I've used that time. So, but four in the morning from four to, Four to six thirty. If I could have my, uh, if I could have my preference every morning, four to six thirty with some good coffee and a quiet house would be a perfect writing space for me. Yeah, that does sound like a perfect writing space. So, Alan, what inspires you to continue writing? Um, there's sometimes um, I'm trying to write a certain thing for a certain group. Uh, for example. Um, a project that I'm working on right now uh, is, a, is a story about rocks uh, and about um, a story of a girl who likes to, who develops a love of rocks like I have. Um, and so in that story, I'm thinking of my audience, but this book is paired with uh, the things that I have seen in science classes working with rocks. So I do these science classes, I pass out rocks and we, I, uh, I share rock collections and that sort of thing. And kids start to have these common uh, expectations or questions or things that interest them. And so plugging those in to a story uh, means that I'm aiming for 
that reader. And so that's one way that I find motivation. Um, but the other way that I find motivation, which is my favorite because it's the more rare and fleeting is when something all of a sudden, uh, starts growing and, and I can't hardly, uh, contain it until finally I have to barf it out on the page. And I've had that happen a couple of times. And my mother calls it when the muse strikes. Um, but Jesse Marie was an example of that. Uh, the, the science club handbook was an example of that. That kind of came out of me working with lesson plans and sending instructions out to my, my staff on how to manage their science clubs. And then all of a sudden I realized, Oh my gosh, uh, if I, if I tweak this, poke that and finish out this section, this is really going to work out. And I couldn't, I couldn't quit till I had that together. So the muse has struck a couple times. Uh, I wish I could get it to strike more often, but, but uh, it's definitely my favorite way to go. Yeah. The muse, uh, that's, uh, that's a good way to put it when you're uh, out in the woods and you have this story of uh, Jesse Marie's noisy museum, just download right in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just you plugged right in. So uh, let's talk about Jesse Marie's noisy museum. Uh, tell me about the premise of the book. What is it all about? So in, in this story, there's uh, the main character, Jesse Marie. Um, she's totally committed to working in this area of informal science, which is, you know, what you would see in a science museum, um, and that's a wonderful space because kids can and adults are free to uh, gravitate towards what interests them. There's not a, a grading or a rubric that tells them good job, bad job, you're good at this, you're bad at that. And so it's a free flowing space where people can uh, be biologists, then geologists all in one day. And she really loves it. Um, but she reaches a point in the story where in spite of her love of it, she's just having some overwhelming uh, experiences with guests, nobody being uh, uh, overly oppressive. It's just the noise has started to get to her and she, she starts to hunt for different ways to, to solve the, the too much noise problem that she's got. And so the story has got uh, a good collection of different strategies that she tries um, in the, in the museum, but ultimately she, she uh, has to, take a break, head to the woods, clear her head and come up with a solution there, except the woods comes with its own set of problems that she has to, that she has to reconcile. So it's a, uh, a fun story. It was fun to write. It's fun to read to kids um, because she, she has to come up with uh, two different versions of a resolution to, to take care of herself while she's still taking care of the, the people that she loves working with, but she does ultimately find a solution uh, you know, of, of self-care and, and, and taking care of her own well-being. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds like a, a good message. So, Alan, how would you describe your typical reader out there? What is their age group? Um, if, I, if we push, push myself away from my adult readers, which I also love, that the, my first book with the science club handbook was definitely directed at teachers and educators and parents. Um, but the, the, uh, the picture books specifically Jesse Marie's noise museum, they're, they're targeted towards uh, pre-K towards to fifth. So it's aimed at an elementary audience. Um, and a lot of pre-K students are actually better scientists than uh, some of the older students because they're still free to investigate without, inhibition. So I target these stories 
towards that age group. Um, I have noticed that adults who know this age group, uh, whether it's parents or teachers, they also are, are, are drawn to the stories because they recognize uh, the connections that they help, help kids make to, to love science. One thing that kind of snuck up on me uh, with Jesse Marie's noisy museum is uh, I didn't, I wish that I was smart enough in the beginning to have thought this up, but I just lucked into it was having a story that shows uh, girls, a role model of women working in STEM. And I didn't set out with that as a goal, but in the end I've ended up with a, a story of a, a of a, a woman who loves working at her museum, loves being a, an educator in the STEM field and in uh, multiple areas. And it's totally cool. And she likes it. And so that's been fun for, uh, for girls to connect with and see uh, a path towards uh, STEM careers. And I, I've, I've enjoyed that because I see the value in that. Uh, and uh, I'm just lucky enough to be holding the book, you know, that's, that can do that. I, uh, but that was just a lucky break for me. Absolutely. And tell me about your illustrator, Mike Quijones. Quijones. Mike has been, yeah, Mike Quijones has been wonderful to work with. Absolutely wonderful. We actually are part of a couple of groups together on Facebook where people can uh, share, share their struggles, share their projects and share what they're looking for. And we, we connected up early on. Um, and it's always uh, tricky, you know, finding uh, a good relationship that works with an artist. Um, just because it's like, like being married. Two people have to be able to complement each other and not every pairing works. But in this case, um, he and I chatted about the project. You know, we already had good, uh, good text ready to go. And we storyboarded it out a little bit. And he came up with a couple of uh, renditions early on that, uh, you know, to look through. And I fell in love with them. And, and Jesse Marie fell in love with Jesse Marie. Uh, so, you know, we had approval multiple ways on that. And so he uh, will will work through the illustrations, then we'll modify them together. Uh, we'll tag team that. But it was important, uh, important for both of us in this project uh, for us to feel connected to the story and the art. So there's parts in the story where uh, the illustrations are they feel familiar to people from different areas. Um, with my basis at the Fort Worth Museum of Science and History, there's elements of that museum that I love. Uh, and so some of those elements belong to the, the museum that our storybook character works in. Um, and another example of that, uh, the Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City's Science Museum is just a wonderful museum. And they have this fabulous display, uh, like it's, like nothing I've ever seen before of, of oddities and animals and specimens. And as soon as I saw it, I knew that those, that sort of display had to exist uh, with Jesse Marie and Mike thought, Oh my gosh, this is great too. And so you can see elements that would feel familiar as you walk through that exhibit space in Oklahoma. It's not the same thing, but it's got the same feel with the same sorts of species and the same sorts of, uh, coloring and it might just did a wonderful job of taking real life and then like translating it onto the page into a, a fiction space. And so I'm so appreciative to be able to work, uh, work with him on this project. Excellent. And what would you like readers to take away from your book? You know, there's 
as a teacher, I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, I hope they get something, learn something from this. I hope that they've picked up some piece of uh, information that's useful to them. But the more, uh, the more I read with uh, students and the more I uh, connect with, with an audience, I really hope that they can uh, enjoy the story and just only enjoy it. Uh, because in my experience, if they can get their brain into flow or if they can get into that rhythm of just moving along at the pace of the story and enjoying it, uh, learning can happen if it needs to. And if it's not the space for that, it can be purely entertainment. But I want people to be able to just enjoy and be entertained by the stories that I write. Can't ask for anything more than that. I get that, get that far, then I'd be super, super lucky. <laughs> and uh, Alan, what other projects are you currently working on? I actually have a couple of other uh, projects. Uh, the one that I've, I mentioned before with, uh, on the topic of rocks, um, there's a second book that will be, uh, be released in the future about uh, it connects with insects and bugs. That one I'm really excited about, Benny and the Big Bug Box. Um, is is a story about uh, a little boy who uh, loves loves being inquisitive, um, but sometimes as curiosity kills the cat, um, he he might or might not get in trouble with a giant box of bugs. So working through that one uh, as a, a story with humor, but that also talks about entomology. Uh, well, that may be overstating it. it. Doesn't talk about entomology. It uses entomology as a as a hook to, to work through uh, our storyline with poor Benny, who has to figure out how to wrangle and rodeo a whole bunch of escaped bugs. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a really nice story. So Alan, where can listeners find your book, Jesse Marie's Noisy Museum? It is available through the website that I have. And that website is worthlearning.org. I live, we live in Fort Worth. And so it was a, a natural progression to have worth in the name. We're, we're history buffs and we love our Fort Worth history. So we, our website is worthlearning.org. And on that site, people can see, uh, they can keep up with the, the STEM activities that I'm doing. Our Twitter feed runs through that. And they can feel free to steal cool ideas or, or hit me up for, for uh, cool ideas that they want to try to roll out. But then also the books are available uh, linked through that site is the easiest way. Um, the Science Club Handbook is available directly on Amazon, um, so that would be one way if somebody wanted to. But it's also linked through uh, the the Worth Learning website, so that'd be a, a an easy path if somebody wanted to do that. Excellent, yeah, and I do like the way that you've uh, done a play on words there with the uh, Fort Worth and Worth Learning. I appreciate it. The farther we get away from Fort Worth, the more I have to explain it. Uh, (laughs) But but it it seems to still work when people hear what's going on. Absolutely. And by the way, we've got your website linked linked up on the Creative Writing Magic website and our Twitter feed. Oh, I really appreciate that. I am am totally addicted to Twitter. Uh, I love connecting with with, uh, science lovers and readers on Twitter. So if anybody... uh, if anybody else likes to tweet, definitely uh, come find me because I always just like to see what people are doing and, and uh, help out wherever I can if they're working on something. Um, my, my Twitter handle is also a, a, a Fort Worth uh, uh, signpost. It's at the Fort 
underscore FW. Uh, when I authored that handle, I was not as interested in the whole world having to copy it down as I am now. If I had it to do over again, I'd have something much simpler. Uh, but at the fort underscore FW, of course, if you look up Alan Small, uh, that's, that's connected to that. But uh, yep. I live and die by Twitter. And we'll have the, uh, your Twitter handle on the Creative Writing Magic website. So um, listeners can also find it there as well. Awesome. I totally appreciate that. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing from folks. No problem. So, Alan, before we close the show, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share? Um, you know, I would encourage everybody who's listening to uh, let go of, of uh, the fear or inhibition you have of, of moving forward on whatever project you're working on. And of course, in my zone, it might be somebody who's thinking of some science thing that they'd like to try. In, uh, in your listeners right now, you know, fair chance somebody's thinking of a manuscript or working on a, a, a literary project. And I would say, don't try to have it all perfectly laid out in your head before you actually start moving on it. Start moving and get after it. And, you know, it'll just only comb itself into place better and better if you can start out with something on the page. So, uh, let, you know, let go of your inhibitions a little bit. Try to move forward on it a little bit. There's way too many people out there eager to help out uh, to just let something, some cool idea sit in the back of your brain unused. So let it out. Excellent. Okay, so that's all the time we have for today. Alan, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. You are sure welcome. Thanks again for having me. And that's a wrap. Cool. Awesome job. Congrats. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. No problem. It was a lot of fun. Well, as we um, get closer to having it uh, released, I, I can get it on my my feeds as much as I can and help, help you out, whatever, you know, getting it posted to the, to the airwaves. And so, yeah, thank you. Anything I can do to help get the word out. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. And um, I'll follow up with you as far as the actual date that it's going to be released, but um, it's probably going to be somewhere around mid June. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Do you have a, a, a variable release schedule or do you, uh, do one one a month sort of thing or is you're still finding your workflow I've been doing one a week okay so and that's that's worked out pretty well cool okay good 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 that sounds real fun have you, have you had good luck connecting with folks to to chat with yeah it's um I found that uh Facebook is a really great place to connect with with writers and <clears throat> illustrators. And um, it's amazing how many people are kind of interconnected on there. So, you know, <clears throat> I'm talking to one person one week and, you know, they're mentioning somebody else who I've talked to. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's all, uh, it's definitely a small world in terms of the, the children's book writers. Yeah, that's true. I'll be connected with somebody in one place and then I'll, I'll wind up in another spot and then there they are too. So <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> well, I see that you have all sorts of services that you do to help people out. Do you have projects of your own too? I'm sure you must somewhere. Yep. Yep. I've got uh, a lot of projects going on and uh, I'm actually trying to start up even a, a creative agency to nice. kind of take on uh, some creative projects. So doing all that with a full-time job in software 
Wow. Uh, you mentioned coding, so I've got it all mixed together. <laughs> yes, you're one big giant pile of awesome. <laughs> it's definitely one big pile of something. <laughs> <laughs> well, just keep it moving. It'll, it'll work itself out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I've written four books, and one of them is a children's book, and it's been, this is really my passion is in terms of what I want to involve myself with is, uh, is writing and illustrating. Mm-hmm. So this podcast is kind of a link into that. <clears throat> awesome. Do you, uh, do you do your own illustrations or do you have somebody help you with those? So I've done my own illustrations. Cool. You, you got, you feel, feel good about them. You, you, yeah. It, awesome. It's, it's, um, it comes down to the fact that I love to do it. It's pretty much my favorite thing to do. Mm. I wish that over the course of my life, I could have had more time to build up my skill set, but I try to get to it when I can. And um, so it, for me, it's not so much like if everyone's going to love them. It's just, I like doing it. So I, 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 I put it in there. That's, that's cool. That's kind of my experience. I'm a, uh, I'm not even a terrible artist. Meg Bronson would yell at me, but I'm bad at art. And uh, when I did the first version of Jesse Marie's, of course I illustrated it myself and I loved doing it. Uh, nice. It was fun doing. I would never, never, you know, pass it on to anybody but my buddies. But, uh, but uh, I totally get what you're saying. I've, if you enjoy doing it, get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm sure that you've with your own illustrations, you can kind of even like put together maybe someday like a behind the scenes type thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do. I'm angling towards school visits pretty, pretty hard. Um, and that's a big part of what kids ask about, you know, how did this happen? Teachers too. They want kids to think about that. So they're always asking questions. And so using the first little shutterfly proto copy and then holding it next to, the real uh, or the, the uh, mass market <laughs> is, is a fun, fun thing to do. Yeah. I bet that's pretty interesting for the kids. Uh, do you have, do you put yours uh, through a publisher or do you release them yourself? Self-published. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, I, I found a better, it feels better on my brain to do that too. Uh, Jesse Marie, that's what, that's what I've done. And um, I, I turned down, uh, I turned down a, a little publisher not long ago for one of my other stories just because it, it just didn't make sense in any way. Yeah. So. Uh, it, especially in today's world where, you know, if you're with a traditional publishing house, you still have to do the same amount of marketing. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's uh, like you said, it, it just, it's not making too much sense anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were, it was a, I think even by today's standards, it was a wild uh, option or offer, but it came down to it didn't have an advance and they were wanting to play, pay 5% royalty on cover price and uh, and they were taking all rights. Wow. I said, well, I, I just don't see an upside. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, uh, I'll release it myself when I've got the money saved up for the art. <laughs> yeah. So were they, were they going to provide an illustrator? They were going to provide the illustrator. Okay. So they were going to put up, they were going to pay the printing and they were going to pay the, you know, illustrator and, uh, but they don't have a, 
have, they don't budget for an advance and they don't have much of a, in the way of a royalty that makes me very excited. <laughs> so I figured it up and with their version, um, I would make 65 cents per copy sold. Um, and no, no advance. Of course, if they want to give me a thousand dollar advance and then pay me 65 cents, well, you know, I'll at least think about it for a day or two. Uh, but, um, you know, Jesse Marie, if I can make five or $6 a copy, then, uh, one Jesse Marie is worth 10 of, of selling the other book with the, through the publisher. So that's right. I just couldn't, couldn't make it make sense. It, it, you know, it was worth it to, to just be able to say, I turned down a publisher's offer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't, you wouldn't expect to, to hear that 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. No, I don't, don't think so either. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad you're getting all your cool uh, projects all coming in one direction. Uh, and I'm hoping, hoping that, you know, lots of cool people keep finding this, finding your podcast and jumping on. Uh, that's a really cool, really cool medium. Uh, I've wondered about doing, doing that myself. And I've decided that, um, the medium is right, but I'm not right for the medium. Uh, I don't know that I would be disciplined enough to, to maintain a good flow that I feel like I would need. Uh, well, guess workflow. It's, uh, once you kind of get the process down, it's, uh, it, you kind of, uh, keep it going. It's, it's not too bad. Yeah. I, um, I think once you kind of get the tech handled and then all of the kind of like direction you want to take things, it's, um, I've enjoyed it. It's, it's really, it's really been fun. I, I think the, the only piece that kind of bothers most podcasters is the editing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that does take a lot of time. So it's, um, it's one of those things where, some podcasters try to do it live just so they can kind of not worry about the editing. But <clears throat> at the end of the day, I'm still at the point where I feel most comfortable with having it, you know, mm-hmm. recorded. And then that way I can go in and, and polish it up if I need to. Right. Right. Somebody says something crazy or forgets what they're saying. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> That's cool. Um, well, let's, uh, let's stay connected and, and, uh, help each other along. I can't wait to see what other cool things you come into existence. Absolutely. Alan. Yeah. Thanks so much for being a guest and, um, definitely stay in touch. We're both on Twitter. We've got some good projects coming up your side and my side. So, um, we'll definitely be in touch. Awesome. Sounds real good. Well, it's good to visit with you, Randy, and you have a, a good rest of your Saturday. You too. All right. Take care. Thanks, Mike.